but there are many traits which make somebody a warrior. Very well, Master Gnome. Hello and welcome to another episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. We're here for the third installment of our adventure with our tabaxi-like friends and their entourage. Uh, so let's get straight into it. Last we left off, we saw our party chasing an individual that had been watching them for quite some time. They chased them through a cornfield. One of them recognized the individual as their brother, colloquially known as Flash. Two members of the party, including their gnomish sobriety companion, found a track that led to where the two tabaxi had taken off to and we cut back in on those members of the party right now. So as we look upon this vision, you can see the cornfield glistening in the day's sun and you guys see three gaps in the cornfield that seem to have um, allowed three people to run through. Thorzite looks and says, I guess they went that way. Best bet's the middle one. No, follow the middle one and see what we can end up with. Well, we found the map, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if it was found in that room, my logic dictates that perhaps they're taking this iron box to the man on the hill to read it, to unlock its secrets. I mean, that's what Tanzanless said. So whether we find these tabaxi or not, we know where they're going. Do you suggest we forego going through the cornfields and head straight to the source? Well, I think all roads lead to Cadmere, if you know what I'm saying. I think if we follow these guys and hope that they don't get themselves into any feline trouble, which is doubtful, that would be a good option. But if we forego and go straight to the the man on the mountain, that, that would also be good. But, you know, just quietly, Alrod, we should get them back. I agree we should get them back, but if all roads all get to Cadmere... Well, I strongly... I have strong faith that Key can handle himself in combat. I mean, people don't travel this mountain pass lightly. There are some dangers that could be had. Can Key handle them on his own? He's quite skilled in hand-to-hand combat, although more than about three to four combatants, he does struggle. So I do feel like we should be there for him just as a... I feel like numbers are a greater solution here. Perhaps we should forego what I just said and find out Tabaxi companions. I mean, if they die. We no longer have a charge. That's true. But we should see if they need help. Could you live with that conscience? Not again. Aye. I'll ask you to keep you quiet this time, Thorzite. (laughs) You know, that's not my strong suit. Let's get our friends back. Shall we? And you watch as he's cautious of your hands now, Uh, (laughs) Thorzite. Sort of takes three steps backwards. You first. Seeing as I can see over the top of the field, I'll lead the way. All right. You begin making your way through the uh, cornfields, passing through them as you do, sort of pushing each one aside, and they are parting as you go. Um, You get into a bit of a clearing where you can see some harvesting had happened, and you can see a scarecrow sitting in the the field. Uh, Roll survival checks, please. So between the three of you, you're able to track down the paws of these tabaxi that seem to have cut through here probably about maybe 10 or so minutes earlier, you can see the upturned dirt is quite recent and you continue on in the direction that you had previously gone. As you follow on to the second portion of the cornfield, we'll cut to uh, Key and also Felix. Uh, you guys are running and you can feel the the whip of the cornfields just moving against your face. 
and you're sort of dodging between all the harder sort of pieces of, of undergrowth that you're passing by, you open up into this clearing and then get a moment to, to breathe. And as you do, you can see this scarecrow to your left and the field continues up into the mountain pass. What would you like to do? Felix, you still got that said? Make sure. Perception check, please. Okay. So as you take a deep inhale mixed with the fresh scent of beautiful corn and a bright summer's day is this whiff of mahogany that sort of comes across and edges into the north through the the cornfields off to the right a little bit, but generally in the same direction heading up the mountain. No, still going the right way. All right, follow me. Let's go. All right, you begin running through. Uh, Roll athletics checks for me. Beautiful. So you guys begin running for probably an additional five or so minutes, stopping every here and there to uh, maintain the scent of this individual. As you pass by and exit the the cornfield, you begin to make up the rocky expanse of the, the mountain trail. You can see there is a small track that's probably about a foot to two foot wide in places, and it's easier to track this tabaxi through this area because you can see that the footfalls that he makes are very heavy in the parts that he's taking the path, and you can see large scratches across the rocks where he's sort of leapt up levels. And as you guys look at this uh, area, you're probably traveling this terrain for about two or so minutes before you enter into a widened pathway. And ahead of you, you can see where it drops into a large chasm. And on the other side of this chasm is another sort of mountain track. Connecting the two, you can see a a rope bridge. And three quarters of the way across that rope bridge is a hooded black tabaxi individual that just seems to be running for it. Um, You round the corner first key and see the individual and he turns back to look at you. And he's probably about 150 meters away from you. And as he turns back to look from you, he looks over his eyebrows at you. And you see an extremely familiar, snarling smile. Do I recognize that face immediately? Immediately. Okay. I'm 150 meters away. Yep. And he's continuing to run. Okay. I acknowledge that I I recognize who that tabaxi is. And I just keep running. All right. You run after him as well. And at that point as well, Felix, you round the corner and see your brother Flash over the other side of the um, the ravine. And you can see Flash seems to stop and he looks back towards you. And you guys are probably about 150 to 180 meters away from him now. And as you clocked that key and you just sort of get that recognition, you watch as this blade shines through out of his hand and he begins to try and cut the rope on the drawbridge. Uh, what are you guys going to do? So he's on the far side trying to cut He's the on the far bridge. side trying to cut it. How big's the, How long's the bridge? It's about 30 feet. And that's how big the bridge is, but it is about... 100 or so meters away from you. At this moment, you begin taking off and running, as you said you did before, leaving Felix behind at this moment. Flash makes eye contact with you, Felix, as he's cutting the bridge. Flash, stop. And then I sort of run to, I'll run to the bridge, but I won't start crossing. Yeah. Mm. You hear this grizzled voice return your call and say, stop calling me that. And you watch as he hooks Um, the blade down onto the rope even faster and harder now. You watch as one side of the bridge (laughs) tilts as it comes loose. Uh, At this point, Key, you get to the base of the bridge. What would you like to do? I'm I'm fully fixated. I um, ignore the fact that um, the the bridge is is sloping down one side, so I just jump as far as I can Yep. with the intention to tightrope across from when I land. Roll an acrobatics check for me. You make a leap, but as you do, the last piece of your footing just slips on some gravel. And as it does, you reach out in desperation to try and grab what's left of uh, the rope, not traveling as far as you can. 
I need you to make a sleight of hand check for me, please. All right. So the rope on that's still connected to the drawbridge slips past your hand, but the rope flailing in the breeze as you fall two or three feet below the level of the bridge, you watch it flailing in the breeze and you grasp it with one hand and begin swinging on that. You watch from the distance, Felix, as Key begins sort of swinging and swaying, holding on tightly but in desperate need of some aid. You watch then as your brother Flash moves over to the other rope and begins soaring at that. What would you like to do? I'd like to take out my rope and I'm going to tie it to one of the posts. I'll then just run and dive down towards Key. As you begin running, you get your rope out, you tie it around your own waist and you tie a loop in the other side of it. You pass by a stump and you loop your the other end of the rope around a stump and you just free fall jump off of the edge towards Key. Get you to roll a... Acrobatics check for me, please. 20 unnatural. So as you dive swan-like off of the edge, arms outstretched, you're trying to get to Key. As he's making his pendulum arc back towards you, you watch as the timing is perfect for you to just grasp a hold of him as the bridge on the other side begins to collapse and Key begins to free fall as the bridge begins to literally be cut on the other side. You grasp him in your paws and trapeze style, you both swing immediately back into the cliff face you just jumped off of. And you both take three points of bludgeoning damage as you bang, hit against the rock. You watch as some rocks above you begin to fall down uh, and crash, almost hitting you, but you're able to just sort of dodge. You're holding onto the rope as best that you can, Felix, and it's tied to you as well. You both look up in the direction of where Flash was, but in the distance, as the wind billows his cape, you see the top half of Flash's person sort of look down to you, shake his head and give you this scornful look. And then he vanishes from your view, leaving you both swinging in free fall. What would you like to do? Yes, we've got to get out of this situation. So I'm clinging on to him or he's clinging on to me? He's tied to a rope that's tied to a stump and he is your only source of fixture. If you let go of him, you're, you're... I'll climb up. Climb up first once I get to the top. You then climb up the rope. You can roll an athletics check for me, key, or acrobatics, depending on how you traverse the rope. Like a beautiful French woman, you flip up the rope, twirling around as you do, like a dancer at a Moulin Rouge, and you eventually flip back up over to the other side, landing on the rubble, and then you begin to make the climb, Felix. You can either make an acrobatics or athletics check with advantage because you're anchored to the rope. All right, so you're able to do so quite uh, swiftly, and as you get up, you meet Key's gaze, who's sort of dusting some some stuff off of his his wraps. And as you do, you can see that Felix is now wrapped up in a rope that now seems to be coming off of him as it loosens as he gets to the ground on the other side. Uh, at that, you're left with a moment as the breeze billows through this mountainside. So that's my brother. His name's not Flash. Oh, his nickname's Flash. His name's Martin. I know. You know my brother. I do. Far from friends. Does seem a lot different than he used to. Perhaps uh, this is uh, a lot to take in right now for me, Felix. Um, let's. Um, I'm tired. Let's go back to the tavern, please. Okay. You begin making your way back down the mountain pass, and probably halfway down, you meet up with Halrod, Horgarth. And you can see uh, Thorzite standing there going, more rocks, more climbing. <laughs> it's what I have to do. 
and you watch as he begins making his way up and you see him just climbing as best yep. that he can, but you can see your companions as well. And you guys see the tabaxi forlornly making their way back down the rocky path, having exited the cornfield yourself. Hey, Thought I'm just heading back down. Oh, you got to be kidding me. And he looks down yeah. and it doesn't look like you've climbed very far up, but to him it's like climbing the Empire State Building. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna start now. You look like you got some things to share. And you watch as he starts walking back down the hill as he gives you four a moment to yourselves. So we lost our lead. What was the lead? A black tabaxi monk. He was in the room. Uh yes. Uh when I scaled most eloquently up onto the balcony and peered in, there was blood everywhere. And a man sitting at a table. That man turned out to be my brother. Do you know if he happens to have anything on him? Because there was only one body in the room. It is strange. I did notice that too. Because it's a ledger. Exactly. Ben and Rob. But there was only one man in the room. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I didn't see anyone else. We, um, I don't know if you have... When was the last time you seen your brother? Yeah, over 15 years. What did he... Grow up with you, or you've never mentioned him before. Well, he was your older brother. He left the the clan when you were quite young, and your mother's always held hope that he'd come home. I wouldn't expect him to come home anytime soon. We may have discovered what they intend to do with the box. Yeah. How so? Parchment in the room that obviously we investigated when we found. After some time, we found that there is a path that leads to a structure in the mountains. What's the structure? It is. The locals know it as the or- belongs to the Oracle. She's not very widely popular in the, in the village because she's not aligned with Mardal. So her services were used cautiously by the village. Are there monks up there? From what I remember, she's a solitary being. Okay. Some people refer to her as an Oracle. Others a witch. It depends who you talk to. We believe that they're going to... Use her to read the time. Right. This path that we have to take wouldn't happen to be this way behind it, would it? Over a rock bridge heading up the mountain? Yeah. Indeed it would. Slight problem. There is no more room. Even more problem. We have competition. We're uh, chasing the same object. Your brother is a part of this organisation. Ah. Uh, He's not actually with them. So really, more of a three-way sort of... So he's, if he's not with them, who is he working for? Part of a separate organisation. Yes. There's obviously the party that we're on our way to, and then there's us. What this, a wonderfully kept secret. This uh, separate organisation is the outlawed fire monks of the Monastery of Baltar. They are ancient enemies of my first monastery, which I haven't really ever talked about. And he is a member of them. At least he's keeping up with his training. You might have noticed that little scratch on his nose. Yeah, that was new. Yes, well, new, new since you've seen. He gave that. He killed my first friend. Actually, no, he made me watch while his friend Gunther beheaded him with more of an axe. Can you describe said axe? Sorry, I love crap. Now who's been insensitive? I'm just trying to find one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. But this is your story. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> My friend got beheaded. Oh, can you tell me about the axe? 
Look, your, your brother caused most of my life a living hell. I was I was fixing shoes at that monastery, serving a lifetime of servitude to this monastery, the monastery of the Way of the Four Elements, where I learned some things. Anyhow, um, Milo and another antagonist, Gumper, he made my life a, a living hell. For decades. But what we're getting at is one day the uh, the fire monks who were had some sleeper agents inside the monastery took over and they um, they mutilated everyone inside that monastery, including the sensei, the students. And my best friend who saved my life, these marks on my throat. There's a gift from your I'm going to bed. It's been 30 hours and I've fought a spider. <laughs> I suggest we go rest. You hear from down at the bottom of the mountain, that would be a great idea. <laughs> you see him like sitting on the edge of a rock, just having like an old man spill, hands hands on, on thighs and just like deep inhale. Cardio is not his thing. You're finding out more of what is not Thorzite's thing. <laughs> Seeing as though the bridge is out of action, Alrod, is there any other way to cross the canyon? Looking down at Thorzite. You can use your dwarven ability. You have an ability as a dwarf to know about rock structures and things like that. I do indeed. Stone cunning. Um, so you can roll a history check with advantage. This is the only way you've ever really known, and not many people have taken the path in terms of your village. But given the way the mountains are structured, it'll probably take days to go around. That being said, there could also be a path like five minutes around the corner. How far can you lob a gnome? Attached to a rope. Looking back up from Thor's uh, how, how much rope does everyone have? It's uh, You guys have 50 feet of rope each, and that gap is only 30 feet. We could quite easily make it. Just thinking, as a rope bridge, we could prep it now, rest, gain our strength, and then first light, we attack. We don't even have to lob the gnome. I've got a bow and arrow. True secure both ropes at the other end uh so <laughs> at this juncture you guys begin talking and you start to turn your party around and begin walking up the mountain and you hear from the bottom of the mountain you've got to be kidding and you watch as this little gnome begins following you all the way back up uh you get to the rope bridge and after about four or five minutes you see as he comes back up to meet you uh Thorzite looks around and he sees that you have a rope with a gnome-sized hole at the end, and he shakes his head. He's like, oh, no. No, 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 no. That's a really long way for a guy like me. Don't worry, you're not getting tossed this time. Oh, good. <laughs> he begins walking closer. You're the one firing the bomb. Okay, so um, I take aim at a, a tree on the other side as for an anchor point. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do I roll? Roll an attack roll. So you watch as the arrow arcs, hits the tree... And stabs into it. Uh, and then hug on the rope. Comes out immediately. We should have just tossed the gnome. He's sitting down trying to rifle things out of his pack. He watches he gets out of lunch and starts eating it like a sandwich. Oblivious. Better than nothing. Thor's up. You're up. Huh? I just started, mate. He sees the vacant expressions. Folds his sandwich up, puts it away. Holds his arms up like a kid that's waiting to get a t-shirt put on him. Tying both both ropes around him, 
with one swoop, he gets thrown over the canyon. All right. What is your strength score? Like total strength? Yeah, 16. Okay. As you toss him, I'll get you to roll an athletics check. 16. All right. He gets to the other side and you watch as he uh, clambers onto the edge. He slides down probably a foot or so, but he just scampers all the way back up and he crawls back over onto the other side. And as he stands up, he sort of waves to you guys. I did it. I'm here. Make sure it's secure. Gotcha. And you watch as he begins tying a, a rope around uh, part of the, the structure uh, of rock. You watch as he loops around it twice, ties a knot, and you watch as he stands back and he just puts his hands on his hips, shakes his head, goes towards it again, unties it, ties it up one more time, and then he pulls it and he says, well, I think this is okay. You guys having held the other side of the rope from your side. So securing it from our side now around a nearby tree stump. Mm-hmm. Come on, Thorzite. All right, you watch as he crosses his legs over the rope and does that sort of shimmy back over the rope over the other side, and it takes him about a minute or so, but he gets there. He gets back, stands up, looks towards you. We're not going now? Key wanted some rest, so we'll go back to the tavern and have a first light. Or you could go to the tavern or... You know, yeah. we could camp here and prevent a gnome from going back down the mountain for a third time. I was going to suggest the same thing. Reprise what do you reckon? The gnome thing. What do you reckon, Korga? Head back down the mountain and make the, make the gnome walk? He's earned himself for the day. Let's make camp. Perhaps you guys should try and cross the bridge, make a little bit of a ways up the path before we rest for the evening and we don't have to do a first light. Become injured, we have the night to heal as opposed to, you know. He has a point. As a master tactician is what I do. I'm a thinker. Can we see how deep the... You can. Uh, having stood here for a while, I won't make you check, but it is, it's at its shallowest, it's probably about 60 feet, which isn't a, like a, a deep ravine. It's almost like a crevice in two mountains as this as this moving past each other. But it, if you fell, it'd do some hefty damage. You first. You're the heaviest. Righto. I'll go first. So you can roll athletics or acrobatics to cross. Or if you're going to come up with a creative way to cross in other ways, you can roll a different check. So if you're really, really good at something, you can creatively tell me how you cross to use a different skill. Wrap my arms and legs around it and shimmy on across. All right, athletics check. If anybody's going the same way Korgarth is, athletics going across, you can roll that now too. Unnatural 20. Uh, It takes you some time and the breeze sways you a little bit and you guys all watch the rope bow under the weight of this um, strong dragonborn. But you do get to the other side and eventually find safety, find purchase. Alrod? Uh, same way, uh, 16. 16, same to you. You make your way through without issue. Over 19. Were you doing athletics? Yep. Yep, same with you. You make your way over, no issue. Uh, can I um, walk on my hands a little bit? Sure can. Is that acrobatics? Yeah. Yeah, so you watch as the, the tabaxi Felix just begins handstanding and walks across his hands all the way across to the other side. The three of you that are over there just standing in a line watching him just slow shake your head. <laughs> um, you watch as Thorzak comes back the same way, like Lisa Simpson crossing that rope bridge in the episode where they go to the Marines and she, he just like <laughs> shuffles his way across, eventually gets there. I can't uh, keep my eyes on Felix for too long. I generally shift my gaze across as I'm lost in thought. You make your way probably about a kilometre or so up the mountain before you find a nice place to nestle down for the night. It being within the afternoon now uh, to make your camp. Uh, so for this exercise, we need a survival check. 
I'll collect firewood and build the fire. You spend the next hour gathering firewood, and once you get it there, you spark uh, just a piece of electricity from the edge of your sword, and your your fire just illuminates. Um, I pull my pot out of the baton pan Travis pack I have, put it on the fire. I'll get you to roll a performance check to see how well you cook. You guys enjoy a hearty feed. What would you cook for your companions? Just a basic stew, vegetables, mm-hmm. a bit of meat, everything the body needs. Very good. good. Cook. You're truly a recovering alcoholic. I'll go up to one of the tallest trees of the branch I can find. I'll sit up there, cheering out. So for the first time in a while, you guys are met with silence in the party as Felix takes a moment of self-reflection. Watching, perception check. You see birds fly by. You can see the goings-on of the village below. You see smokestacks coming from some of the houses as the sun begins to set. It's quite a nice view. Uh, as the breeze comes through, you get that smell um, of just agriculture, of, of the, the town below, of the floral nature of the flowers below, and it's quite peaceful and relaxing. You do see like some wildlife sort of shift above you, but then it eventually minds its own business and goes away. Peaceful moment of reflection. I might just put a note from my mum sent me and just read it again and sort of think of how I could ever tell her about flat. And key. Um, so are all duties been attended to? All duties been attended to. So you can begin your rest if you'd like. Yep. Um, unless, of course, anyone's boots need to be repaired. I don't wear shoes. You don't wear shoes. Before you go to sleep, you watch as Thorzite starts like tinkering with a mechanical object. You see sort of like gears and almost like a twist up toy. And as he sort of lets it go in his hand, you watch as this mechanical bird unfurls its wings, flutters for a little bit. And then you watch as a spring just jettisons out one way, collapses into his hands. And he's like, ah, damn it. And you watch as he gets his tools out and he tinkers with it again. Where'd you get that from, Thorzite? I built it. Um, My family, we're, we're a bunch of tinkerers. It's just a hobby. Everyone needs hobbies. Keeps my hands busy. Keeps my mind busy. In quiet times like this, you know, there's a lot going on up here. Hmm. Finally, something I can relate to you with. Well, if you ever want to share, I'm a good listener. I help a lot of people through their problems. Well. Not to pressure you, of course. It's Maybe for another time. Of course. He gives a nod to you. As he looks over to Halrod, who's just cleaning up the dishes of the night's cookery, you all begin to take your rest as the sun begins to set. And as the night goes on, your watch comes to an end, having seen what you saw during dawn's hours. Um, who would you like to wake up for the next watch? Usually, usually I'd set key. So this time I might I'll probably wake up Halrod. Do you get a stirring? Prior to that, though, you watch as... Uh, Felix moves over to Key's sleeping area, goes to put a hand on his shoulder and then retracts it as you move back over to Alrod and you gently stir him awake. Psst. Psst. Is there a problem, Master Tabaxi? Uh, I just thought I might get some rest if it's okay. Get some watch. Very good. Get some rest. I'll take over the watch. Can you please roll a perception check for me? As the night rolls on, you hear the cawing of some form of bird in the night you hear the flapping of large wings an hour or so later you look up and see a shadow move across the sky quite large doesn't track you guys and your watch goes on until you have to wake somebody else I go over to Korgar and I'll wake him 
Right, cool, Garth. You take up your perch. Roll a perception check for me for the next. So you take up watch standing, looking out over the stars, thinking about the events that have transpired, thinking about this goal in your mind. And you sort of get lost in it for a while. You eventually sort of click back in. And as you do, you hear the sounds of rocks falling probably about 40 or so feet above where your companions are sleeping. Looking back at my companions to see if any of them wake up, I go to investigate. You slowly begin walking towards where the rocks fell. And this is probably an hour and a half, two hours into your watch. And as you get to the cliffside, you watch as these pebbles begin pittering down. You look up and you can see what looks like a cloak billow over the ridge and move away. As you look around towards your companions, none of them appear to be harmed in any way. I wake Key up to let him know that we are being watched and that this could be his chance for retribution. You hear him say that to you in a hushed voice through your camp and you hear it beyond the vividness of the dream you're having and it stirs you into a wake. You're certain you saw something? Positive, cloaked figure, overlooking, watching us, like at the docks, like in the trees. Can you two roll perception checks for me? Korgath, you're stern on your ally, giving him your full attention out of respect. Key, as you look around the campsite, you can see tabaxi footprints that aren't your own. You look towards a rock that was sitting right by your bedroll, and you see the wooden statue of an elephant that seems to be placed there, its head snapped off and leaning to the side of it. Key's mentality snaps back three years. Key is no longer the same person he was. Key is now full alert. Okay, I'm going to find this. Uh, I'm going to see where those tracks are going. They seem to be pitted around your campsite, but Korgath, I assume you would have told him. Yeah, they came there. He was above us. I point to like the loose rocks down. Yeah, and it's basically about 15 feet away from where your bedroll would have been, 10 feet away from the rock that houses this statue. Am I fully rested by this point? You've had six hours of sleep, so no. You need two more. So I haven't regained any hit points? Not at this stage. Um, you can see, uh, Korgarth, that he still looks quite exhausted, though alert. I may not fully understand what you are going through. Would you like me to follow you? Yes, let's go. On that note, I rub my hands together, electricity glowing, and place one on you. I use all my lay on hands, five points. So as you feel this revitalization, it's almost like a static electricity shock that goes through your body. You two both begin taking off in the night. Um, you guys begin to leave. Uh, you hear a voice behind you say, where are you guys going? Not this time, little gnome. We need you to look after Hal Rod and Felix. Well, you're right. I do go where I'm needed. This is, this is your moment. You are now the leader. Look after them. Yeah, look, as much as that is very flattering, especially coming from such a formidable warrior as yourself. Key, what do you expect to do when you find this guy? I'm going to kill him. If it's who I think it is. Don't you think it would be better to do that with people that you trust? 
I am with people I trust. More people that you trust? Time is not of the essence here. I feel like you're making a very rash decision. But if you're going to make it, you have to be prepared to bear the consequences of that. I'm prepared. I'm full of rage. I'm not interested in consequences. He gives you a nod, looks to you, Korgar, and he says, we will follow you in a few hours' time then. He sits down, ready to take the next watch for you two, Alrod and Felix. I turn and start leaving. All right, roll a survival check. Okay, you are able to see some tabaxi footprints that seem to lead north up the mountain track. You watch as it jumps from one rock to the other and you can see a scratch mark on one that leads you to the fact that he's probably elevated again. Um, but you've got your heading. Let's go. You wheel your way through the rocky outcroppings. And as you do, after about 40 or so minutes of travel, you get to a um, set of stalagmites and stalactites. And as you get towards this area, there's this overhang. And you can see perched on that overhang what looks like the remains of a campsite. You can see a pillar of smoke slowly billowing as if a fire has just been extinguished. It's probably about 70 or so metres up from you. Um, and as you sort of look at it, you can see from this distance a hand hanging off the overhang, blood dripping off of it and down onto the floor. Could this be the second? Could it be Rob or Bob? I'll, I'll stay motionless as my stealth has not been as of recent. I'll wait for your signal. The overhang is probably about 20 foot wide and it overhangs between two rocky uh, cliff faces and it looks like people have perched up there to make a camp. All right, roll a stealth check for me. Korgar, you can too. Both of you moving as quietly as you can through the night, you do eventually make your way up to the top of this overhang. You make your way to your strategic position below. As you get up there, Key, you can see that the campsite seems to be quite simple, but you do see that there was three bedrolls rolled out. One of them never left that bedroll. The fire's definitely been extinguished for at least an hour. Any more than that, you can't tell. And it seems like the other two individuals seem to be gone. But you can see as well as you look at the individual that never left they have a burn score mark across their chest and a large laceration across one arm that seems to have severed the shoulder joint. Um, a very strategic strike. Uh, you can see Korgarth from where you are. You look around and there's almost an eerie silence that moves past you. You hear the breeze moving through and you hear some birds beginning to chirp as dawn is about to break. And at that, you... You sense that this space is now empty, void of life. Whoever was here is now no longer. You see a set of footprints that seem to be tabaxi in nature that seem to be following two humanoid footprints, both running in haste up the mountain, as if one is chasing the other two. I yell at Corgath, Corgath, it's okay. Can I roll a perception to see if I notice anything? Uh, you were trained on Key's movements, making sure that he was 100% safe, so you weren't clocking anything around. All right, so joining, joining Key at the campsite, did we find anything on the body? Immediately upon looking, Korgarth, you flip over this gentleman's hand and you can see the tattoo of the open yeah. eye. I think we found our missing compadre. Um, you do notice that this one's male and they did claim a female came to town, though. Yeah. 
you also clocked that two humanoid individuals left the camp with a tabaxi in pursuit, according to tracks. Somebody mentioned to you guys earlier that two went up the mountain to scout as two stayed in the town. I think it's time to purge purge the world of these Cretans. This is your history. The companions have been great with us thus far. I think doing this together be the best for all four or five of us. I think we should do it as guildmates. Yes. Thank you. All right. Do we stay here and wait for them? I'll I'll go back and get them. You see if you can pick up anything more within the tracks or the area. Colgath, if you begin making your way back down the mountain path, you get about 10 or so metres, 15 metres away from where you were standing along the stalagmites and stalactites. And as you round the corner, leaning up against a rock, you can see Thorzite looking pretty smug with himself. Motherfucker. Yeah, look, I told you I go where I belong, where I'm needed. You got a good little uh, head on your shoulders, Mr. Colgath. You talked him down from the edge. You should find a good job being a sponsor. Did you at least bring the others with you? Oh, no, they needed to rest. But don't you worry. I've led them here and I've left a very reliable object as an alarm if anything was to uh, come into the camp. So all is well. You're not talking about that mechanical bird I saw you tinkering with? Yes. Its shrill cry can wake up even the most slumberant ogre. And I'm pretty sure the jettisoned spring. Look, Colgath, you have your skills. I have mine. I may not be a warrior in your eyes, but there are many traits which make somebody a warrior. Very well, Master Gnome. Just wait. They'll make their way up here, safe and sound. We cut back to the party. You see two knives in the night. <laughs> 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 yes. um, so at that is the purchase. Day begins to break and the light wakes you, Halrod, and also Felix, and you look around to see your campsite bare of companions, save for a small mechanical bird sitting in the middle of your campsite that seems to be patrolling left and right. Uh, as you wake up and you watch as a stone rock falls down next to it, it turns towards it and you hear this blaring siren. God damn it, I told Thorzai I hate that damn thing. You put a, You pick it up. And as you pick it up, it stops. Now, where the hell is everyone else? Roll perception checks, both of you. Harold, you're like looking under their bedrolls, <laughs> moving over things in the area. Uh, you, Felix, look and see tracks straight away. But you also see dropped on the floor is these copper bolts that seem to be about a meter or so apart, like breadcrumbs leading up the path. Same copper that a bird seems to be made of. It seems our friend might have gone this way. I recognize them. They belong to Thorzite. Should pack up and follow the trail. Let's not keep them waiting. After a few moments, 45 precipice where Key and uh, Korgarth are waiting for you. Both of you fully rested. Uh, You see your companions moving up the hill. Whatever happens, this is something that Key needs and we need to be there for him. Felix, I know he is your brother. The unspeakable things that have happened, he needs to deal. We are only here as a supporting. Is murder the best option? 
that will be something that he needs to find within himself. I have a strong feeling he will make the right decision when the time comes. As do I. You all begin to gain your heading. You take the map out. Roll an investigation check. Okay, so looking at the map, you can see the mountain path sort of moves as to to, to show some various landmarks that you had been uh, traversing. You can see the overhang on the bridge that you guys are now currently standing at seems to be about an hour or so away from this particular area. And as you clock the nature around you, you can see that the trees around seem to be a more withered um, variety. You can see that even the sky that seems to be blue down below where your level of elevation is seems to be a lot more gray as if you're sitting within the clouds in this area. You watch as this fog begins to set in as you begin to travel further up the path and you've probably got about an hour of travel left before you hit the precipice of this area. If anybody would like to as well, you can roll survival checks to say to see what you glean from the murdered body in the campsite and the tracks and things like that. So you guys are able to glean that the fire was probably extinguished about an hour or so before Key got there and the tracks are probably about the same amount old. So these guys are probably two or so hours ahead of you, maybe less. Make you out? Yep. As you begin moving across the precipice, you travel for about 30 or so minutes before you start to really sort of get this scent of this sulfurous nature uh, coming towards your your nostrils, especially the two tabaxi. Up along this path, you do see the footprints here and there as the, the grounding below you gets softer. Um, and you eventually come out onto this plateau and upon this plateau, you can see a pathway that leads to a bridge that seems to have a hole through the middle of it that's been worn away to time. You also see that a pathway leads up a mountainous um, embankment up to a structure that probably used to house a shrine of worship or some form of meditation ground. Uh, you also see to the... Uh, other side of that, a large set of staircases that leads down into a temple that seems to be long uh, crumbled, on the top of which you can see what looks like a like an ethereal-like structure sits. Roll, roll your perception checks. All right, so Felix and Korgar, as you look around, uh, the mist parts at the exact right time. You can see this ethereal structure seems to be like a shantied shack uh, that has this green ominous glow uh, surrounding it. You can also see the door of that to be ajar. Uh, as the the walls sort of part as well, you can see an individual standing just at the base of the stairs to where this structure sits. And as he stands there seeming to be on watch, you look towards the northeast and you can see perched up on one of the larger rocks uh, to your left, you can see a three-point stance of a black tabaxi figure watching down below. But only you clock that, Felix. Brothers on the rock, looking down at all of it. Yep. And the guy at the stairs, does he seem to notice Morella? No. He seems to be looking around, spear in hand, male, no sign of any sort of box that they might be carrying or holding. I'll tell about the guy at the bottom of the stairs and just for the moment not mention my brother just yet. Yep. Okay. So you guys all notice this individual as the fog parts and allows you to see them. You can see that this person is male, seems to be elven or human in in uh, race and you can see that they're holding a crossbow at the ready. Uh, you watch as there is a flare that occurs from within this shack that's ethereally placed on top of this um, 
ruined temple. And you watch as the door that was open seems to emanate this bright green light. And you, Felix, having trained your, your brother Flash, you watch as he stands up on two feet and begins to scale downward from that rock but disappears into the mist from you. I lean into Key and just quietly say, my brother is a Christian. You're very brave to give me that information. We do have to fight. Let's go then. You all begin to make your way across that bridge, Thorzite in tow as well. And you watch as this little figure that you'd been traveling with moves with a swift pace. He passes you, Halrod, he passes you, Key, and he walks side by side with Korgarth, who's walking directly in front of him, almost as if he's gotten some courage about him. As you get to the other side and you stand upon that crossroad between the left and the right of the two ruined structures, you watch as the gentleman that seemed to be holding the crossbow aloft points it in your direction. And he says, So it's been you. It's you that's been attacking us in the night, following us. Look. And he holds up his hand. You can see the unseen eye. He says, We're just doing the blade's work. We can pay you. Just leave us be. We can do that. Our payment? The box. I can't do that. That's what he needs. He needs the book that's inside the box. So do we. Um, and you hear a voice from the mist say, Well, it seems that we're at an impasse. And you watch as the fog clears to reveal this black furred tabaxi standing, yellow eyes glowing, fist engulfed in fire. He begins walking towards slowly... And you watch as um, the individual in the cloak with the palm up sort of moves a hand across his temple, closes his eyes. And you watch as a female individual moves from the shack and seems to draw a longsword. As you look at these two individuals, you can see that the man holding the crossbow and the woman with the longsword sort of move closer together and sort of is pointing their weapons in a like a triangle-like direction towards you three. Any of them carrying the ball? No. At this moment, you watch as this entity with black fur, this tabaxi moves forward and you see in the light that is emanating from the ethereal shack key, the scratch that is now scarred across the nose that moves down onto one cheek. And as this individual looks towards you, he says to you, You won't best me again. Are you sure about that, Milo? (laughs) Not by yourself. And you watch as he charges up his hands and releases this bolt of energy right towards Korgarth's left, and you watch as this flaming sphere of fire hits Thorzite directly into the chest. You watch as he gets, you watch as it hits him directly into the chest and begins burning up his tunic. You watch as he sort of falls to the floor and coughs. <laughs> um, and then we'll roll initiative. So as the fog begins to clear, you watch as the fire begins burning on Thorzite's vest as he falls to the floor. You watch as everybody immediately draws weapons and begins staring at each other in this standoff-like situation. And at that, we have Felix up first. Straight out, I'm just going to yell out, stop hurting people. I'll stretch my brother. All right, roll your attack. Um, Make your movement too, as you run directly towards him. Yeah, running straight for my brother. He catches it and looks to you with flaming eyes. Attack again. Backflip kick. Yep, so you flurry flurry blows. He does a backwards dodge matrix style as your feet fly and miss in midair, and he just 
Ah, <laughs> oh, little brother. Um, and at, is that your turn? All right, that brings us to his turn. Um, he's going to attempt to shove you out of the way. So contested strength uh, versus athletics. So he's just going to palm you, push you. Uh, he rolled a 12. So he basically dodges, moves himself back up, gets a single palm and pushes you in the middle of the chest. And you feel all of your senses begin to get pencils and needles through them. And you just move backwards five feet. And from that, he begins to walk. Casually walking, he doesn't even clock the rest of you. He seems to have one goal in mind, and he's looking towards that shack. Um, that brings us to Halrod. I am thoroughly enraged by the fireball that hit Thorzite, so I completely ignore the unseen ones and head straight for um, um, Flash. And because I am, I believe, out of range, I am going to attempt to put an arrow straight through his head. All right. Go for it. Roll your attack. 14. 14 just misses. Um, so the arrow flies straight through the air and you watch as he dodges to the side and just goes straight through. Is there anything you'd like to do as your bonus action? Oh, yeah, rage. Yeah, so I'll say that you immediately just erupt in rage. What does your rage actually look like? So um, when Howard gets enraged, the, uh, the temples on his forehead just pop, pulls out his shield and his hammer, just bangs on his shield and emits a, huge, a big war cry. Mm-hmm. And this bellow just echoes through this mountainous expanse and seems to bounce off of every rock and hit you guys in the ears. All right, that then brings us to Key's turn. I move to Milo, and then I'm going to attack with my quarterstaff. Go for it. Roll your attack. Bad day for martial arts. Uh, that's, a, that's a 12. Uh, 12, unfortunately, is a miss. So you swipe the legs, and as he does, he sort of jumps up in the air and does this flip landing directly to his side. Um, he watches, he flares up his fist, and he says to you, don't get in my way, boy. Not again. I um I move for an unarmed strike. Go for it. That will hit. Uh, roll your damage. Okay, so as you hit him across the face, what does it look like? Describe that for me. Did I get another point, Milo? He snarls and spits the blood out directly onto the sand. Pretty much at your feet. At that, we'll move on to Korgar's turn. Moving to the bottom of the stairs to sort of stand as a barrier between Milo and the unseen. Just to the left. Enraged by what has happened to Thorzite, I look to, as I feel there's more that needs to be answered for, aim to cripple Milo rather than kill him. Okay. Eight. All right. Um, so as you swing your sword to crippling blow him, you watch as he gets his foot and basically stomps on your blade on that angle to stop at mid-strike. Um, he says, you can try as much as you want, but I'm getting that box. Um, what else do you do on your turn? I pull out my crossbow. Okay. Uh, at that, you watch as it is the unseen's turn. You watch as they both take a step back. The person with the long sword sheaths it and takes out a crossbow as well. They both seem to be taking defensive positions up on the shack. And you hear one of them say to the other, we just need time. We need to buy them some time. And they are going to attack one at... Milo, uh, that will hit him and one at, well, they actually see you all attacking him. So they'll both go for him as well. 
until you guys become a threat. Uh, that one will miss. So one arrow he catches in the air and the other one gets him directly into the shoulder, which will give him 10 points of damage. And you watch as it gets him directly into the shoulder and you, you can see the blood trickling down from the wound and he just snaps off the arrow, cauterizes it with his own hand. That then brings us to top of the round. Felix, you're up. Turn around, beeline straight to my brother and basically say, there's too many of us. It's enough. Just stop. And I'm going to try and knock him out. Uh, roll your attack. 17. That's a hit. So you clock him across the back as he's occupied by many, many people. Um, and you can see him continuing to take a step forward. He's like, you don't know what this means, little brother. Is that your turn? Flying out an arm strike. Action. Yep. Um, as you miss, he dodges out of the way horizontally once again, and that brings us to his turn. All right. So he will immediately turn to Key, and he will try to hit him once with a force strike. Does an 18 hit your AC? It sure does. You take six points of bludgeoning damage. Jesus. And can you make a dexterity saving throw, please? Yes, I can. Okay. So you begin to feel your footing... Uh, lose itself from you. You watch as the pins and needles travel from the wound all the way down to your legs and they go to jelly for just but a moment, but you're able to shake that feeling off having dealt with this kind of attack before and you regain your stature. Um, with that, he then turns around and pulls a dart and throws it your way. Um, Felix uh, does a 17 hit your AC. You take four points of piercing damage. Yeah, he will throw it directly towards your shoulder to sort of loosen that joint in your arm, trying to get to your pressure points to stop you from uh, hitting. Uh, then he's going to continue to move. He moves into engagement with the members of the Unseen. So if you'd like to take an attack of opportunity, you may. I will. 14, unfortunately, misses. Miss. Miss. I miss as well, 13. All right, so he, do he does this flip, like horizontal flip, and just twirls and lands directly, and you watch one leg sort of swish out and make this arc in the sand as he lands. And as he does that... Um, he begins running up the stairs, arms flailed backwards, and they're both charging up with fire as he moves them both towards the members of the Unseen. He seems to be going in for the strike, but um, Halrod, you're up. I will move to box him in behind. I will move to attack my one. Go for it. Roll your attack. So that's 15 with the battle axe. 15 is what you need. Roll your damage. Five points of damage. He is looking extremely rough. As you wedge the axe directly in between his shoulder blades, he was forcing a fistful of fire into both of these individuals, but you see him do that jarring motion that happens when you get hit in the back and he turns to see you and he snarls. Just, mm. Mm -hmm. Good hit, Harold. What would you like to do on your turn? Did you plus your damage from your rage, by the way? I did not. So what's the So point? that's an extra plus two to the damage. Now he's looking even worse. Oh, okay, so uh, no, that would be seven then, wouldn't it? So that's seven damage done. You watch as the blood trickles down his spine, uh, bringing us to Key's turn next. I am going to move to the base of the stairs to as far as I possibly can to be diagonally to Milo. All right. Um, as you get up close to him, roll a perception check. All right, so as you look at him, you can see his shoulders are slumped. One arm remains lifeless down by the side, and you can see it's almost like a, a flickering fire in his hands. You can see him looking towards these members of the Unseen, the other hand up, ready to strike. And as he exhales, you see just blood coming from his chin. This is a condition you've seen him in before. It's very close. Knowledge is almost dead. You have a decision to make. Key motions to attack... Um Milo by a sweeping motion with his quarterstaff to his legs, 
to bring him down. Roll your attack. 16. That's a hit. Roll your damage. Is this lethal? No. D8. Two is enough. So you watch as the staff moves across his legs and in his weakened state, you watch as his legs hit upwards, his back hits the stairs, his head, the back of his head hits the back of the stairs and he just goes unconscious. The fire in his hands immediately dissipate. He watches his chest rises and falls. Unconscious, not dead. You watch as the two members of the Unseen sort of turn to you with their crossbows and weapons expectantly. That brings us to the end of your turn unless you want a bonus action to do something. That's my turn. After key, that brings us to Korgar's turn. You've watched Milo just directly hit the deck. I move to the left side of the female and go to use an unarmed strike to incapacitate her. Go for it. Roll your attack. And how do we go there, buddy? Ever fought before? <laughs> Seven. Yeah. So as you swing your sword, you hit directly into the stone. Um, and at that as well, it brings us to their next turn. And seeing as though you attack them, they're both going to unleash crossbow bolts at you. Both roll the same thing. Is 14 for both. Does 14 hit your AC? No. Okay. So you watch as those two bolts hit into your armor, but seems to cling off unpenetratingly, and they use their bonus actions to reload. The one that is not engaged with you, Korgar, but is engaged with Key will begin to make a motion backwards towards the the doorway of the shack. The, the male uh, begins to make a motion back towards the door, and he reloads his crossbow in an attempt. If you want to, Key, you can get an attack of opportunity. I will, but um, can I do it in a non-lethal way? Mm-hmm. Okay. 18. Uh, 18 definitely hits. Roll your damage. So nine. Nine points of damage. As you clock him as he's passing by, you hit him in the small of the back, and he takes the damage, and he continues to move in a defensive position. You watch as he knocks on the door, and he says, how much longer? And you watch as his eyes begin to glow green, and then he looks back and he says, we're going to need you to hurry. And that brings us then to Felix's turn. I'm going to use my feline agility on this turn to double my movement, and I'm going to run towards the female. Uh, and try and attempt to hit her with uh, my staff while sort of flipping around her to also get to the male to hit him with my unarmed strike. Okay, go for it. So you do like a flip using the pole as like a pole vault. Hit one with the kick and hit the other one with the... I'll hit her with the staff and try and use that momentum to flip over. Yep, go for it. Uh, So that's 21 to hit the female. That will hit. Seven points of damage. Seven points of damage. And to the male? Actual 20. Roll uh, damage. Okay. Okay. So uh, six total. What does it look like as you knock him out? Uh, so as I pull up sort of over the, the female, um, I just come down and hit the top of his head down with motion with my fist. Mm-hmm. Pretty much leveling him. Yeah. His legs basically head. crumple. His knees buckle. He hits the floor. His head, head butts this uh, ethereal shack. Um, and as it does, you watch as the knocking sound that his head would have made is replicated from within with an arcane burst of green, almost like a fucking be patient kind of way. Is that your turn? Uh, yeah. uh, that then brings us to his turn, but he's unconscious, which means it's Halrod's go. Can I try and persuade the um, <laughs> persuader to surrender, female? Roll a persuasion check. I'll say with disadvantage because you're all currently attacking. Three. So as you begin to say these words in your enraged state, it comes out more like a threat than an offer of truce. And as she looks at you, she just hurriedly readies another crossbow bolt. I'll say that was your action to do that. Oh, okay. Then I'm done. Okay. Uh, that then brings us to Key's go. I will... Can I step over my... No. What I can do is I'm going to motion forward and stand directly behind um, Felix. 
but I'll be facing the woman with the longsword. I then uh, attack non-lethal damage with my quarterstaff. Yep. 12. 12, unfortunately. No, that's exactly what you need, 12. Okay. Um, what does it look like as you knock her out? I strike her from, because she's facing away from me, I strike her in the back of her knees, the double tap. She falls down, and then I um, blindside her in the back of the head by core stuff, and it doesn't kill her. Very nice. You watch as she crumbles to a uh, to a halt, and being no other threats, you take a moment and listen to the wind passing through this canyon area. You can hear the slow burning ember of this fire upon Thorzite's vest and the slow hum of this arcane shack in front of you. What would you guys like to do? Um, I mean, go to the top, my brother. So I'll say that you can do that as a free action. You just continue to time. Um, I go to check on Thorzite. Roll a medicine check. Uh, you go to feel his pulse and it is no longer. Rest in peace, my friend. You were there when we needed you. Typical Milo. What are the rest of you doing? Move with Felix and I, and I help uh, restrain Milo. Okay. I um yeah I guess I kind of converse with Felix because I haven't done so all day. What do you say? I hope you appreciate this. I do, and he will get what's coming. I don't think so. He deserves to die. He killed my friend. He was the closest thing to a father I ever had. He was a Loxodon cobbler named Beakeros. He taught me how to repair shoes. Speak Loxodon. If it weren't for him, I wouldn't be here today. It wasn't just that he killed him, it was the brutality in it. It was just, he forced me, he fixed my head to look at him as they cut his head off. I don't know if you can fully appreciate the gravity of the situation, what's happened today. Cannot. I'll do my best as your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, what are you doing? Running up the stairs and Spartan kicking open the door to retrieve <laughs> the tome. As you Spartan kick open the door, you are met with the interior of what looks like not an arcane shack, but this shabby looking wooden house in the middle of which you see a cauldron, behind which you see this frail old woman that you can see that's in this old looking robe that seems to be tattered along past these very long forearms and long fingers and you can see her moving her hands over the lock of this box and as she does she turns her hand and you watch as the lock unlocks and clicks to the floor and she holds her hands above her head goes down to reach to the lid of the box what do you do i'm gonna cut her hands off Roll an attack. (laughs) (laughs) Or your sword goes directly through her hands, but no incision is made and she looks towards you and these sunken eyes that are now appear to be within your close proximity, you can see they're socketless. They're just no eyes, just a socket. And as... She looks towards you. She opens her mouth in a weary smile. You can see just a few teeth in her head. And she says, That was rather rude, boy. Keep your filthy old hag hands off the box. 
I do what I am requested. Payment was made. The box is opened. I'm to read from the tome. I cannot allow you to read from the book. Who has paid you to open the box? She turns behind and says, They have paid with fragments of their soul. She gestures up into the corner of the room where you can see vials that seem to hold arcane light, and there is dozens of them. Fucked up. Not an opportunist, I see. Unfortunately, I have lost a close friend over this bot, and I believe it needs to be in safe hands in Wilsonia Institute of Arcana with oh, the Staff Mage Saharas. Those fiddlefowls down there, they're no fun. Look, you say you've lost a close friend. Wouldn't you give anything to have one last conversation? Anything. We can make that happen. I cannot allow you to do that. Very well. His box is not mine to keep. It was never mine to begin with. I complete transactions. I take the box, part around my waist, or around my shoulders, and walk out. You watch as Korgarth exits with an unlocked iron box. What would you like to do, Halrod? Well done on retrieving the box, Korgarth. Perhaps we should now take it back to Arden, the Valiant Odyssey Guild, and complete Carmen's quest. Agreed. Turning to Key and Felix, are we get bringing our friend with us? Look, gesturing to Milo on the ground. Well, I have some questions for him. Well, just one question. I have many questions. He also needs to be severely punished for his crime. Let us journey home. As you stand upon this mountain, the mist swirling between you, I believe Felix would be the one to carry. Milo, as you hoik him over your shoulder. You begin to make your trek down the mountain, Halrod, as you pick up the limp body of Thorzite. You hear a whisper in your ear that says, He can be saved. We can save him. And you turn around and see this old woman standing in the doorway, looking at you with sockets in the middle of her head, no eyes to speak of. I'm sure you could, but at what cost? Well, that's up to you, son. What are you prepared to give? I don't have anything that's mine to give. That's where you're wrong. So? Or so? I don't own my soul. That belongs to Elmra. Quaint, so quaint. He stands beyond the edge of life and death. He's slipping away. What happened to Thorzite today was a terrible tragedy, but he died a hero for the for the guild, and I'm not going to take him that away from him. And I can't give you my soul. Honor, such as that, is rare atop this mountain. You have impressed me, Halrod. So I will give you this for free. He says, you make your own luck. And you watch as she fades away, so does the shack. Did you make your trek 
down the mountain. It takes you a few days as you eventually make your way back into Cadmia. The trip is silent. Only small talk being had between you as you rest upon the journey. Eventually making your way back to the Valiant Odyssey Adventurers Guild. You make your way up the stairs and you can see Arden seems to be in a much better mood. He's sipping his tea and he enjoys it gleefully. As you begin walking up the stairs with this individual in your hands and the box, he sits you at the war room table. The smell of mahogany hitting your nostrils, but for a different reason this time, Felix, as you all are offered a seat, Narden says, I'll be honest, you've impressed me. We are saddened by the loss of Master Thorzai, and he will be mourned and celebrated in his way. But with friendships lost, I do believe that friendships are also gained. Tell me, what would you have me do with him? Gestures towards Milo. He has taken many lives and lives of friends. This must be punished. But I believe that he should have some decision about punishment. If you would see justice done... He will find it in Cadmir. I'll lock him away in the darkest place. We'll never see the light of day again, where he will be left to ponder his crimes until the end of his days. I also maybe suggest uh, sort of some sort of metal encasements for his hands. I can contact the staff mage, and that can be arranged. Mars will just remove his hands. I see that. Somebody has been personally scorned. It's a logical choice. That being said, let's move to business. You have retrieved the tome. Now, through that journey, would any of you have opened the box? Yes. I did not open the box. So he'll ask you directly. He'll say, did any of you open the box? No. 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 Deception check, please, Key. He says to you all, I applaud your honour. A lesser being may have been tempted by curiosity. If you would hand that to me, Korgar, I will see that it gets to the Staff Mage's hands. I would like to personally deliver it. I, there is much I would like to ask her as well. If you remain within the Valiant Odyssey establishment, I can arrange for her or some of her contacts to make contact with you. And you may keep the box within your eyesight in the meantime. Does that suit? Agreed. I thank you. You too. Looks at the tabaxis. You're welcome to be employed full-time in this guild, if you so choose, for payment. As far as I'm concerned, your community service has been repaid. Do you not agree, Halrod? They acquitted themselves well on the field of battle. I agree. The choice is yours to make, but you'll always have a home within these halls. He's looking especially at you, Key, as Arden says this. Oh, we have questions for my brother, and he's here. We need money in the meantime. We do need money, and I still have a lot to, to learn on my journey. Perhaps this might present opportunities. Place to rest your heads, at the very least. We'll make arrangements for Master Thorzai. 
and I'll set up the meeting with the staff mage. One one final request, Arden, I may. I would like to I would like something done in the hall for Thorzite, for he was a brave warrior. And this journey would not have been possible without him. Are you all in agreement? I am in agreement very much. Leave it with me, Bogar. Thank you. We honor our brothers here and sisters. But you all deserve a good night's rest. If this tome is indeed what it is legend to be, prevented a great tragedy this day and lived through some, it seems. Alrod, show these men to their quarters. It'll be nice to have bunkmates again. Come on, lads. Follow me. And at that, you watch as the tabaxi leave with the dwarf leading the way towards his comforting room. And Kolgarth, you stare at the box, holding it safe until the time that the staff mage arrives. We cut back to a few hours earlier where a curious cat twiddles their fingers above the lid of the box. As you open said home, heavy, leather bound, you can see a holy symbol on the front of it that you don't seem to recognize, but it is thick. What do you do? As you look over your shoulders, you can see that your party members seem to be otherwise preoccupied in trusting you with this box for the time being as you make it to the base of the mountain on your journey home. My curiosity gets the best of me. I've seen a man teleport us from one location to another, which is my sole objective of what I want to achieve. Weaponize it. He wants pages from this book. I open up the book. I scan over the pages. Do I make sense of any of it? As you scan over some of the pages, you can see that most of them appear to be blank. You get this hum as if there is a deep arcane resonance coming from within, but at the moment seems to be inactive. And you attribute that to it being inside the box. But it's almost like there it's energy and arcana is being barred and that's why it's in the box. The box sort of serves as a nullifier, basically. Okay. So I take the book out and... Uh... As you take the book out of the box, you feel this orange glow just emanate across your person. Can you please make a constitution save? You feel your consciousness being drawn inside of this, this tome. And as it does, you watch for a moment as your mind is not your own. You find yourself in this darkened space and as you look around, you sort of close your eyes again and you are back into where you were standing with the book before. You open the book and see writing begin to occur on the pages. Do I recognise any of the writing? You do not. Okay. So, Judging based on the languages you speak, it is all scribbled to you. Yeah. Do I um, acknowledge that it's that it's a particular language that is known? Uh, it, I just can't translate it. It looks ancient. Looks ancient. Very old. 
some elements of it might look draconic slash dwarvish, but nothing that would discern a complete language. I make a decision and I remove five pages delicately with a um, with one of my darts. I try to seamlessly cut from the inside of the binder to remove a page. Mm-hmm. I remove, I attempt to remove five pages. Can you please roll a sleight of hand check for me? 17. A decent job. The page is intact. You fold those parchment pages up and put them in your own personal bag. What do you do with the book? I return the book back into its box. All right. And moments later, you watch as Korgarth returns around the corner and your journey continues back to the Valiant Odyssey Adventurers Guild. That does it for this week's episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. Tune in next time to catch up with our heroes. And make sure you're also following our socials at Instagram so you can keep up with all the show announcements, artwork, episodes, and giveaways. We can't wait to hear from you. And remember, share this podcast to anyone who can't get enough of good stories, geeks out over narrative roleplay, and loves D&D. We'll see you next time.